Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Hey there, welcome back together again on a Saturday morning. It's Ashley Frasca in studio today with you. Another edition of Green and Growing starts now. I want you to be a part of the show. 404 872 0750 is the number to be part of the show. Got Shani B with me today. Got Ann answering the phones, and she'll get your name, where you're calling from, and what you want to talk about. And if you don't know how to spell a plant and Ann doesn't know how to spell it, it's okay. We'll get through it together. Um, a lot going on on the show this weekend right now until 9 o'clock this morning. Um, of course, we'll be talking about the Great Backyard Bird Count. That started yesterday and goes through the weekend. And I will uh, lead you through that and make it very simple for you to do and participate in. Uh, talking in just a few minutes about the NFL. I know this is not a sports show, but... My brain really went into overdrive with the show last weekend. I did a little trivia question for, for those of you who were interested in the big game uh, last Sunday. The trivia question and the giveaway that went, went along with it was uh, SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles where the Super Bowl was held between the Rams and the Bengals. What uh, was on the field? You know, what, what surface were the players to play on? In the, uh, in the big game, and it's artificial turf. It's not any kind of grass, and I want to get into that. Um, real grass versus artificial turf in the NFL and kind of the environmental concerns on both sides of the issue. Uh, pruning, pruning, pruning. You need to have those shears ready and sharp because we're still in the time of year where a lot of you are cutting a lot of things back, and there couldn't be a better time for most things. Um, and at the, toward the end of the show, when we have Pike Nurseries on with us at 8.30, as we do every Saturday, uh, looking forward to spring-blooming trees and shrubs. And I had someone reach out on Facebook, send me a message yesterday. Uh, look, my my group locally is looking to plant. You know, what are some recommendations that you have? Um, and without really going too far into it and asking you know, the the size of the space and the sunlight that it gets and, and what the condition of the soil is and all of that. I just kind of started rattling off a bunch of spring blooming things just so you would have some instant gratification. Um, so we will be along with Pike Nursery to talk about that. And I'll fill you in on some local flower and garden events coming up. And if you get my newsletter, um, you're aware of some of those already. It's uh, it's in its second second edition. Comes out every other Friday. So yesterday was the day. So you can sign up on wsbradio.com and look for the little envelope icon in the upper right hand corner. And I do believe uh, that that we're a little behind 
as far as uh, digital stuff is concerned. So right there, you will see Walter Reeves. You will see the Georgia Gardener right there. And you sign up for that, and it is it is my newsletter. Um, I have taken it over from Walter. He did it for 20-something years, wrote uh, a biweekly newsletter for all of you and for the station. And so now that is my responsibility, and I'm having a good time. I'm having a good time going beyond the show and coming up with some interesting things and, and topics for us to discuss together. Okay, so back to this NFL thing, right? Um, there's so many, I don't know, people concerned with the environment, as they should be, um, and kind of the carbon footprint that we leave behind. So Pennington, you've heard that name as far as you know, grass seed company and lawn fertilizers and, and such. Uh, they have a petition now to petition... 16 of the 32 NFL teams who play on artificial turf to change to grass. And the petition is on change.org, and it just happened to catch my attention. So I really wanted to represent both sides in this. I'm not looking to to cover either side or defend either side, but just something for you all to think about, and maybe you have some strong opinions on it. Um, not only does Pennington say they, they had some stats, they've done their research, not only are there more non-contact injuries um, for players playing on artificial turf, and if you watch the big game and you saw Odell Beckham Jr. with the Rams go down with that terrible knee injury, um, who's to say, you know, if he just landed funny, but if it was the way the turf supported him as he came down on his foot, or if grass and, and soil and, you know, a softer surface would have been a little easier on his knee, um, and also, when the turf heats up more than grass would, it gets to a higher temperature, there's a possibility that it may emit toxic gases, okay? And the players are sometimes face down on these surfaces. Um, also, Pennington brings to light production of petroleum derivatives, bad for the environment, can't be recycled. And I was just talking to Anne about this before the show. And you think about when you have the carpet ripped up from your house, you know, and you want to put in hardwoods or a different kind of floor, my gosh, where does that go? It's really hard for yards and yards and yards of carpet to be broken down anywhere in a landfill or reused or recycled. And so Pennington argues the artificial turf is going to be the same. And now I don't know how long artificial turf can with you know withstand constant uh, contact and, and use in a, in a stadium. I don't know if it could be four years. It could be 14. I'm not quite sure. But at some point, it's going to give in. Okay, so on the other side of the coin, uh, Hellas Construction, they are the makers of Matrix Turf with Helix that is found in SoFi Stadium that we talked about in Los Angeles, also in the Texans and the Cowboys stadiums in, in Texas. Um, according to their website, the base is a pea gravel and rubber granule, what they call infill, um, among other things. And what that's able to do underneath that artificial turf is provide rapid drainage. And that's obviously very important for the surface uh, so that the players aren't playing on a slick surface, which could be dangerous. But that that infill, they say, the sand and rubber, 100% recycled rubber. Um, they go through a ton of recycled tires in the process of making this. So that's pretty good. Um, tires are one of those things that's hard to recycle as well. And also Hellas Construction says they're innovative green practices. They use non-toxic and petroleum-free polyurethanes. Um, and two, they argue, you know, for... Stadiums in the NFL, which is half. 16 of the 32 do have real grass. 16 of the 32 do not. They have artificial turf. Um, their argument is, hey, you don't have to use fertilizers. And constant fertilization and watering, um, that's just as bad for the environment as well. So there you go. You have both sides. I just found that to be kind of interesting. 
um, Pennington's campaign of flip the turf versus what we're dealing with with uh, make, uh, matrix turf, artificial turf, in some of the stadiums. So there you go. Something to think about today, I guess. I, I'm a sports fan, too, so I just couldn't let that go from, from last week. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. Okay. 404-872-0750 is the number to get on to green and growing. And as I've said, there's so many things to be pruning now. And uh, I think tomorrow may be the day that my husband and I finally get out there and start to cut back the Japanese maple um, that has become just so, so large in the 11 years we've lived in our home. And, and it's never been maintained or pruned. And of course, we want to grow grass underneath it. So kind of starting to thin it out just a little bit, you know, to allow a little more sunlight to come through there to where we're not bonking our foreheads on the lower branches as we're pushing the mower under there. Um, and we will hear from Norm Mitleider later in the show. Um, I played that conversation that I had with him with you last Saturday, but at eight o'clock, I'll, I'll play a, l- a few more clippets of it because uh, Norm Mitleider is a certified aesthetic Japanese maple pruner and does a lot of other things too. Azaleas, hydrangeas, he just knows his stuff being a certified aesthetic pruner. So, of course, I really wanted to ask him um, the reasons why and the proper way to prune a Japanese maple and some other things, just really kind of how-tos and basics uh, pruning techniques. So that's coming up at 8 o'clock. And it was interesting to hear from a lot of you since that's been a common thread and a common theme the last couple of months. A lot of you weighed in on Facebook. Um, Ian said that very soon he's going to be pruning his David Austin roses and fruit trees. And Lisa checked in and said, this is the time of year that I cut back my salvia and my butterfly bush. And Valentine's Day, in my mind, is always, for me, knockout roses and butterfly bush. And, you know, the knockout roses are pink and the butterfly bush is purple. Those colors are associated with Valentine's Day. I have very weird associations, but it helps me remember when to do these things. Uh, Chris said he had just cut back his hellebores and soon to do autumn ferns. Now, my Lunt and Rose, my hellebores still have a lot of blooms on them, so I'm going to wait just a little bit. Um, and keep in mind, they have evergreen foliage. They stay up, unlike hostas, you know, when it starts to get cold. Hostas will come back, but they always die down, and then you kind of forget where they're located. But at least with hellebores, grow in the same conditions. Uh, they're evergreen and they stay there, but those really make nice cut flowers too. If you're wanting to do some pruning because they've become leggy, go ahead and just cut the flowers off, bring them inside, enjoy them. Um, and then Gary and I both will be pruning our Rose of Sharon uh, this weekend. His is huge. He sent me a picture of it, probably seven feet tall. Mine is not that big. Mine's about five feet tall. But right now it's been nothing but bare twigs. Uh, the entire winter, and I could have done it before now, but now's the time. I'm going to cut it all the way back to the trunk, all those limbs, because it's going to be so forgiving. And then it's going to, you know, flush out a lot of purple blooms here in the summer. I can't wait. 404-872-0750. When we come back, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend. I don't mean to overwhelm you. I just gave you a few ideas, maybe, but we'll stick with the top three throughout the show, plus a weather update next on 95.5 WSB. We are here live all weekend long to help you plan accordingly. So the weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. You want to know what today's going to be like? Well, our meteorologist Christina Edwards says sunny, high of 56, low of 33, partly cloudy tomorrow, a little bit warmer, high of 60 degrees, mostly sunny and mild. Green and growing. Green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. 
All right. Number one, I'm really glad we had a caller last week call about spur weed or lawn burr weed. Either way, uh, your pup will let you know. Your kids will let you know if they're running around in the lawn. And ow, they get a sticker in their foot. So you've got burr weed. Uh, Best way to prevent that, folks, is that pre-emergent herbicide application in September. That's going to get it before, you know, the seeds will start to, the weed seeds will start to germinate and it's going to just cut it short right then throughout the winter so it won't have time to grow. But you got it in your lawn now. They say December, January, February are the most effective times to treat it with a herbicide, just to spray herbicide. So go ahead and look for something in the uh, big box store or the nursery that's broadleaf and that'll start to tackle it. But like I said, it's still going to be there. So don't forget that pre-emergent application in September. Number two, azaleas can tolerate a rejuvenation pruning now, and it's important to do that before they bloom. So do it now if you really got to take them back. That way the plant can focus on putting out new growth and not really the flowers. It takes so much energy to bloom, which means you will lose blooms this spring. You will, but it's a win in the long run. With number three, I have Josh Fooder, the county extension agent for Cherokee County, with a tip for pruning muscadine vines. So into February, early March, and we want about a hand space between what we would call a spur, even though it's not a true spur, but where we're leaving those fruiting buds, two to three of last year's buds, and that's that ring on the branch or the the stem that came out from last year's growth, we need at least two or three of those nodes from last year because the growth that comes off of those nodes is going to be where our fruit is set. And we want about four to six inches on the cordon between those fruiting branches that we're leaving behind. Because if it's an established muscadine, they are so vigorous and they will become so crowded. You want at least a fist width between them on that cordon. Ideally, we have some conditions that are going to be dry at least that day or the next few days. And, you know, that post pruning uh, sort of bleeding or, or oozing, that's perfectly normal. That's what muscadines are going to do. And then just remember sharp, sterile pruning tools. So if you got that and you've had muscadines for some time, you know it's important to be pruning them on a yearly basis. Um, you'll kind of stay ahead of it. And that was Josh Fooder, again, the Cherokee County Extension agent with that great advice. If you need some visuals like someone like me would when it comes to fruit pruning um, and fruit tree pruning, I am more of a visual. I need a diagram to walk me through it. So no worries. There are free publications from the University of Georgia Extension that you can look up extension.uga.edu is the website. Go to publications, type in whatever it is you're looking at, muscadines, scuppernogs, uh, pears, figs, and there you will find tips on how to prune. Your calls when we come back, 404-872-0750. Glad you're here on a Saturday morning. It's Ashley Frasca. You're listening to Green and Growing on WSB. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. I love that. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Because, yeah, we were talking artificial turf and uh, NFL stadiums and talking the great backyard bird count. So it, it goes beyond just things that are green. Welcome back to the show. Ashley Vrasco with you until 9 o'clock this morning, 404-872-0750. Any garden questions you may have or comments you want to make about things you're getting into, 
now is the time. I want to know what spring things you're planning on planting. Um, And also, we're coming up pretty soon, maybe here in the next week or two, to start thinking about starting vegetable seed indoors. And then you'll have those little seedlings to put out in the garden on time come April. Uh, If you want to be doing pepper plants or okra or tomatoes, those are some of the most common ones. Certainly some herbs. Anytime is a good time to grow herbs. You just got to be conscious of moving them indoors and outdoors and indoors and outdoors, depending on what's going on with the weather. Um, But I'll be keeping you posted on doing that because it's probably best once you start thinking about getting the seed trays and the soil mix and all of that, doing it a little on the later side rather than too early because nothing's worse than starting that seed indoors a little too early, maybe even even if it's just two weeks too early. Um, and then you put the seedlings out in the garden too soon and we have a late frost, maybe sometime in April, and all of those seven or eight weeks were for naught. And I don't want that to happen to you. Um, want to tell you about some things that are coming up today. If you are looking for stuff to do this time of year, if you're like me, you're itching to get out of the house on the weekends. You know, winter, we feel like we're cooped up. And I think we're going to get finally fairs and festivals back in the spring and hopefully in the fall, fingers crossed. Um, I have been communicating with the folks at the Atlanta Dogwood Festival. Can't wait for that to return at Piedmont Park on uh, the 8th through the 10th of April. So I've got that marked on the calendar. Today, once I leave here, I will be headed over to the Atlanta Botanical Gardens. Uh, The North Georgia Camellia Society has an exhibition from 1 to 5 today and from 10 to 5 tomorrow. Admission is free with your Atlanta Botanical admission. Uh, You can bring camellia blooms to be judged to the Atlanta Botanical Garden Day Hall today. If you have award-winning prized camellias uh, that you want judged. You can bring those from 9 to noon today, and there's a panel of judges that look at all of those. And then you can certainly stay for Jim Pruckler's grafting demonstration at 1 o'clock, and then, of course, the exhibition does go from 1 to 5. So I I really would love to be a part of that. I'm not going to be able to stay until 1 o'clock, unfortunately, but grafting is going to be fantastic. There's a couple of different ways to do it. It's really interesting. It can be, you know, translated to any other types of plants as well. And also, Georgia Arbor Day, that was yesterday. And did you know that the most ideal time to plant trees in the state of Georgia is February? That's why, you know, there's a National Arbor Day, but we have ours in February. And the Marietta Tree Keepers are hosting Free Trees Saturday, March 5th. It's a little late. It it didn't quite coincide with this weekend with Georgia Arbor Day, but there's a reason. So March 5th from 9 to noon at the Farmer's Market in the Marietta Square in downtown Marietta. And they posted a really nice little uh, Facebook post the Marietta Tree Keepers did. They said, you know what? Ashley Frask is going to be there. And she may even sign autographs. Like, I don't know that I've ever been at an event where I've signed autographs, but my goodness, I'm happy to do so. A lot of different varieties of uh, bare root seedlings are going to be there. Dogwoods, willow oaks, bald cypress. So free trees. And you get to planting and your landscape is going to thank you for it. And also yesterday, um, locally to me, the city of Holly Springs did a seedling giveaway, and there was one in Woodstock at a few different locations, three different locations in Woodstock as well. And I would love to hear from you if you participated in one of those. And Trees Atlanta had one as well. 
um, I believe at Murphy's Crossing, where that you didn't have to be, you know, a resident of that particular county to enjoy the opportunity to get a free seedling. But I'd be curious what you picked, whether it was a dogwood, whether it was an eastern redbud. Uh, they had a lot to choose from, so that is a really cool opportunity and a way to commemorate Arbor Day and, like I said, improve your landscape. And then I'll keep reminding you about the Spring 2022 Garden Lecture Series presented by the North Fulton Master Gardeners. They've got quite the calendar this spring, so the next class for them is coming up uh, Tuesday, March 8th, that's going to be protecting Georgia's pollinators. There's a way to register online, or you can find their Facebook page, North Fulton Master Gardeners, and all the links and things are there to get you to register to that. Uh, and the Cherokee County Master Gardeners and Josh Fruder, who we just heard from a little bit ago, uh, they still have room in their fruit gardening from A to Z class. And that is next Friday, February 25th. Registration is going to close next Wednesday, but that's going to be a good class as well. Uh, fruit gardening, A to Z everything you need to know. A lot of it, you're, you're going to be taking in a lot of information, but it's all going to be really, really good. And again, like translatable across the board. You know, if you're learning about blueberries, but you're really more interested in trees or vice versa, Josh will have you covered there. 404-872-0750. So at the top of the next hour, we'll certainly be talking about the great backyard bird count. And I had a conversation with uh, Becca Radomsky-Bish, who is the project coordinator Therefore, the Great Backyard Bird Count, um, and it's put on in Ithaca, New York, where Cornell University is. They head it up in their great lab of ornithology, and they partner with, I think, Wild Birds Unlimited and the Audubon Society to do this global citizen science project every year. And this is the third opportunity that I've had on the show, the third February, that I've been able to promote it and talk about it. And I just want to get everybody involved in a little more active and engaged in nature. And this is such a fun thing to do. And I actually went over to a friend's house yesterday evening, pulled up in her driveway and her husband, it is his life's goal right now to take down the Bradford pears that have lined their driveway, you know, years before they moved into this house. But it is his life's mission to get those, you know, first cut them up a little bit, pruned them down, um, but ultimately taking them out. But it was fascinating because I do see that they're starting to leaf out and you're going to see those big white blooms here shortly uh, come spring. But I started to see them leafing out. And when I pulled into her driveway, there was no kidding on one Bradford pair, probably 30 birds. I guess it was all kind of the same type of bird, uh, but 30 of them just going at something in this Bradford pair. And when I pulled in, you know, a few of them flew away, but a lot of them stayed. I tried to take a video because it was so beautiful and they sounded amazing. And I think it was cedar waxwings. I really do, which is a, usually a very colorful bird. He's got like a little black mask that goes across his eyes. Um, but it must be females because they were more of a muted gray and they had a couple of streaks of yellow, um, but more solid gray. And I think the, the male is probably the brighter blue. But there were so many in this tree that I thought, ah, can I can I start my backyard bird count now? Because I would have just hit up 30 birds of one variety right there on the count. Um, but basically what you need to do, and you kind of, if you have feeders, you know the times of day when they're a little busier uh, feeding. And, and for my birds in the backyard at my feeder, 9 a.m., 10 a.m. seems to be a good time. And unfortunately, I'm not home at that time. Uh, but I will sit down at the kitchen window where I've got a great clear view of the bird feeder. And I'll sit down for 15 minutes, and I'm going to download the free app. It's called Merlin, M-E-R-L-I-N, Merlin Bird ID. And download that. It's going to tell you what bird you're looking at. It will help you identify it in case you don't know. 
Uh, it'll help you identify it. And you'll say, yep, this is the bird I see. How many did I see in 15 minutes? Oh, I think I saw three. Could have been the same guy three times, but that's that's okay. <laughs> if you think you saw three different cardinals or two different bluebirds or whatever the case may be. And don't forget, too, to look on the trees around you as well as on the ground. You know, you may see some robins hopping around down there or some morning doves or something like that. Squirrels don't count. Uh, they'll be underneath the feeders, too. But uh, just taking that time, and it's going to be a beautiful weekend to do it. So take the kids out, bring some camping chairs, patio chairs, whatever. Sit still for 15 minutes. And if you need to just write it down and then go translate it into the Merlin Birding ID app later, that's just fine as well. And you can do this count for 15-minute segments as many times as you want this weekend. You can change locations if you'd like. You can go to somebody else's yard. I may go hit up Jacqueline's yard just so I can count those fantastic, I'm pretty sure they were cedar wax wings. And another way for you to identify birds is I've helped you along all week on the Facebook page. When you go to Green and Growing WSB, that is the Facebook page. And every day this week, I posted different birds that are common for us to see here. So you'll be able to see the difference between a purple finch and a house finch. And then, of course, the American goldfinch, which we all know is that bright yellow guy with a little bit of black. Uh, different woodpeckers. I have cardinals on there, which, of course, that and bluebirds, most of you know. But there are going to be some on there that you didn't know. So green and growing WSB. And speaking of those Bradford pears, too, like I said, they're getting ready to leaf out and they're going to have beautiful blooms. I can't smell them. I know some of you are gagging thinking of the wretched smell of Bradford pear tree blooms. I, I genetically just can't smell it, but I know a lot of you can. But uh, thinking about that, there are already some trees that are starting to bloom. And one in particular is a variety of cherry that is that beautiful baby pink right now, really soft. The weather's just been so warm. I think it's a few weeks ahead of schedule, but nonetheless, I want to help you identify those as well, too. So spend some time on the Facebook page again. Uh, look at photos, but go to albums specifically. And the albums that I have there, uh, two that you probably need to visit frequently, are Highway Horticulture and Weed of the Week. Uh, during the winter, I didn't really do a whole lot with Weed of the Week because we didn't have a lot of weeds. Thank goodness. Not a lot of insect problems. Uh, but Highway Horticulture is a album that I established while still working with Walter on the Lawn and Garden Show. And it was a great way to teach me and to help me learn what trees I was seeing. So this is the perfect time of year. Every week you're going to be some, see, seeing something new in bloom. So I have them for you right there in that, uh, in that album and identified about what time you're going to see them. You know, if it's going to be early March, if it's going to be early April, if it's a Okami cherry, if it's a weeping cherry, if it's something different, a uh, Bradford pear, if you don't know what I'm talking about, how that looks, you'll see that in there as well. So that's going to be pretty useful for you as far as identification. 404-872-0750. So when we come back after a short break, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend, we will be taking your calls as well. 404-872-0750. It's green and growing. Updating the weekend weather. Sponsored by Finley Roofing. Sunny skies today. A little breezy. And boy, we felt that yesterday to a high of around uh, 56, mid-50s for most of metro Atlanta. Lows dipping down around freezing 33, but no rain in the forecast today or tomorrow. Partly cloudy and mild tomorrow. High of 60, low around 40. It's time for this. Green, Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. 
All right, hear me out carefully with number one. So azaleas can tolerate a rejuvenation pruning now for the big ones, for the wild ones, for the ones that are uh, native that have just gotten really, really big. If you're going to do that much pruning, though, rejuvenation is important to do it before they bloom. That way, the plant focuses more energy on putting on the new growth rather than putting out the flowers because that's a whole lot more energy, which means you will lose blooms this spring. That's why I want you to hear that. I'm not saying prune your azaleas, but I'm saying if you need to do the rejuvenation kind of pruning, now's the time to do it. If you want to suffer through one spring with no blooms, that's going to be okay. It's a win in the long run. And number two, now you can control spurweed or lawn burrweed, however you want to call it. You're going to know when you step uh, barefoot on that grass or your poor little dog does that you've got uh, burrs in the lawn. So best way to prevent it is a properly timed pre-emergent herbicide application in September. But now you can use a broadleaf herbicide to tackle it, but it's not going to take it all away, but at least you can uh, have the opportunity to knock it back just a little bit. With number three, I have Josh Fooder, the county extension agent for Cherokee County, with a tip for pruning muscadine vines. So into February, early March, and we want about a hand space between what we would call a spur, even though it's not a true spur, but where we're leaving those fruiting buds. Two to three of last year's buds, and that's that ring on the branch or the the stem that came out from last year's growth, we need at least two or three of those nodes from last year because the growth that comes off of those nodes is going to be where our fruit is set. And we want about four to six inches on the cordon between those fruiting branches that we're leaving behind. Because if it's an established muscadine, they are so vigorous and they will become so crowded. You want at least a fist width between them on that cordon. Ideally, we have some conditions that are going to be dry at least that day or the next few days. And, you know, that post-pruning sort of bleeding or or oozing, that's perfectly normal. That's what muscadines are going to do. And then just remember sharp, sterile pruning tools. So I was able to record that uh, very helpful tip from Josh uh, in person when I visited him about a month ago at Cherokee Veterans Park off Highway 20 in Canton. And I was seeing kind of a new gardening space uh, that the Cherokee County Master Gardeners have been able to put together. And there's going to be a ribbon cutting for that next month, which I am proud to be able to uh, attend on March 22nd. But just amazing to see some of our local Uh, county master gardener groups and the things that they're able to accomplish and the tasks that they're able to do together. But uh, again, if you're interested in all things uh, growing fruit and pruning, like he was talking about the muscadine vines, it's tricky. But if you've had them for years and years, I'm sure you've got it down pat. But for someone that's new, maybe moving into a new house with these great grapevines, it's like, where do I even begin? And pruning is so important to do that annually. Um, But again, the Cherokee County Master Gardeners offering Uh, a class next Friday, February 25th, fruit gardening from A to Z. So I bet you, you will hear Josh again, uh, talk about the importance of pruning as well, whether it's your grapevines, whether it's your fruit trees. Um, Gosh. And like I said, tree pruning, that can be a bear. And it's so important to shape fruit trees properly so that they get uh, the right amount of air circulation through the tree to kind of uh, knock back or prevent any disease or fungus, but also the right sunlight, you know, that it's able to hit all the branches and all the fruit. Uh, And just that makes me think of trying to prune our Japanese maple tree. Probably tomorrow is going to be the best day for that. It's a little intimidating, but we'll have a conversation here coming up on the show uh, with Norm Mitleider to tell us all about whether it's pruning Japanese maples or other trees, just some helpful basic tips for you there. And I've got some great calls coming up. Gail and Delonica, is it too early to fertilize hybrid tea roses? Those are the beautiful long stem ones 
that so many folks love to grow. And John from Jefferson, is it true that there's a way for a sweet gum tree to produce less of those annoying sweet gums that fall to the floor? So we'll have an answer for John and you when we come back. 404-872-0750. You're listening to WSB. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.